Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. We're continuing in our series this morning on pain is inevitable, misery is optional. And you know, the Lord prompted me to speak on this book. It's not because I don't have anything to speak on. I felt so strongly prompted, and I've seen that as I've preached week after week, people have responded in a way that could only be God. And uh, I thought about it this week. I thought, you know what? Rebuilding is actually appropriate for this year and bringing this book out because we're bringing back what is fundamental and foundational in the life of Rivers Church. We've always believed that we're not victims and that we will always experience pain, but misery is optional. And we'll keep a good attitude, keep serving God, And so as part of rebuilding, this book is appropriate. Now, many of you would have traveled in an airplane. In fact, most of us would have traveled in a jetliner or a commercial airplane. And you'll notice that when the airplane turns, if you're not looking out of the window, you won't notice that it's actually turning. Sometimes you can be reading, drinking a coffee, and you suddenly look up and you go, oh, my word. And there you see the wings either up or it's down. You're like, oh, And that is known as something called inertia. It's happening, but you can't feel it. And it's a wonderful thing when you travel in those planes because your food doesn't spill, your coffee doesn't spill, whatever you're drinking doesn't spill. And uh, it was a problem, though, in the old days before there were instruments because when you flew a small plane, you couldn't actually feel what was happening. So when you went into the clouds and you had no instruments, you couldn't tell whether you were up or down. And they used to say pilots used to feel in their bottoms whether they were up or down. They'd be like, and that's where the term comes from when you do something where you, where you don't really know what you're doing. Flying by the seat of your pants. You heard that saying? It was because they had to figure out, not a good way, which way is up. And guess what? Many went by the seat of their pants by their feeling and ended up nosediving into the ground. And do you know, you cannot fly by the seat of your pants in life. You cannot live by what you feel to be up and down, right or wrong. You have to go by the instruments of God's word. The truths guide us. And we cannot live by our feelings or we will certainly nosedive into the ground in marriage, in business, and in our personal lives. You see, feelings are a gift from God. They are, but they cannot be trusted. You say, well, how is that possible? Yep, feelings tell you when there's pain. Feelings tell you that uh, you you recognize emotional uh, responses, but it is not something that we can trust, and we have to trust largely in the Word of God. Success in life is not being dependent on your feelings, because listen, when you have pain, your feelings will always take you to misery. When you have pain, your feelings never take you into joy. I've got this pain, but I'm rejoicing. Now, that's a decision. Your feelings, misery is the lowest point in your feelings. And if you're not careful and you fly by the seat of your pants, you will go there. And we have to learn to deal with the way we feel. And so today, I'm going to look at the chapter here on how to deal with the way you feel. How about that? I'm a poet and I don't know it. How to deal with the way you feel. 
Johann Wolfgang von Goethe, the great literary master, said, do not give in too much to feelings. An overly sensitive heart is an unhappy position on this shaky earth. If you give in to feelings, you will be an unhappy, misery will come to you. You've got to learn to deal with the way you feel. In fact, you Prather wrote a book some time ago called How to Live in the World and Still Be Happy. And he says this, he says, both my body and my emotions were given to me. And it is as futile for me to condemn myself for feeling scared, insecure, selfish, or revengeful as it is for me to get mad at myself for the size of my feet. In other words, the way you feel, it's, you can't do much about it. You'll feel. It's like your feet. If you've got size 9 or size 6, you can't choose it. But then he says this, I'm not responsible for my feelings, but for what I do with them. So you can't stop sometimes from feeling a certain way. How many of you yesterday, be honest now, when you, when you got up yesterday and it was Saturday and it was a day for doing things, when you saw the weather, didn't you like, come? That's how I felt. I had to fight that yesterday. I was like, I woke up and I, there were things to do. When I looked at the sky, I was like, so I had to deal with the way I feel. Because you can't choose your feelings. You can't choose what happens to you, but you can choose what happens in you. And our feelings are powerful. They say the human personality is four-fifths emotion, one-fifth intellect. So most of what we experience in life as people is emotional, and only a small percentage is rational. That's why if you live by your emotions, you're mostly going to get your life wrong. And we have to live by our minds, we have to get to God's word as an instrument, otherwise we'll go wrong. I want to remind you that during COVID, pastors across the world committed suicide. Pastors, because it's not what you know in your intellect, it's what you're allowed to feel. Four-fifths will overwhelm you, and we have to fight that and know how to lead it. If you don't lead your emotions, they will lead you. If you don't rule them, they will rule you. Isn't that true? And we often make decisions based on emotion. Before I give you six warnings about feelings, and then we'll look at how to deal with them, uh, I, Matthew chapter 21 is, a, is an interesting verse in the scriptures. And Jesus speaking here talks about how feelings can cause us to lose our sense of commitment. He says, what do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? Do you know that from this passage, you can see that sometimes you can say something, but your feelings can make you do something else. And we as Christians cannot live by feelings. We have to live by principle. We have to live by commitment. We can't continue as we come out of this COVID season and church opens up more and more. We can't continue to wake up in the morning and say, I'll, I'll see how I feel about going to church. Now, if you book the seat, you go. If you're serving, you go. You can't decide 
back and forth according to feelings, because feelings never lead to strong commitments. They never lead to building anything significant. We've got to watch out because feelings can lead us into trouble. Erwin Litzer put it like this. He says, a Christian life based on feeling is headed for a gigantic collapse. So six warnings about feelings. Are you ready? Number one, they can seriously fool us. Your feelings can be so strong, but they can fool you. You can be so sure of something because of what you feel. And many people have been sure of deals and business and marriages. I know. Oh, I feel this is the one. And then they end up embarrassed, in disaster. Hmm? Marry someone in a hurry. Why? Because feelings were heightened. Because you were in a restaurant. You were in an unnatural environment until you got home and you saw them without makeup. You saw him without a shirt. Without one of those elasticized vests. You said, what's that? Are you pregnant? How I many you know feelings can make a fool out of you? And you've got to remember that. They cannot be trusted. They're a gift from God, but they cannot be trusted. A lady by the name of uh, uh, Linda Bennett, and we don't have a picture of her, she was sitting in her car one day after shopping and just going through her phone, and she had all the groceries on the back seat. It was a very hot summer's day. And the next minute, she heard something that sounded like a shot, like a bang. Bah! And the next, she felt something on the back of her head. And she thought, oh, no, I've been shot. So she put her hand back, and she touched the back of her head, and she could feel her brains were coming out. She's like, oh, my, my brains are actually... So she just stayed like this. And a man walked past the car and noticed for a while as he approached the car, and he... He could see this, she was sitting and she was holding her brains in. So he said to her, are you okay? She said, I've been shot, I've been shot. He said, let me have a look. So she, she opened, opened the window, opened the window. And he, and he looked and he said, you've got a big piece of dough on the back of your head. She had bought ready-made dough in a tin and it was lying in the sun and it exploded. But her feelings told her, that she'd been shot, and that her brains were hanging out. Feelings can make a fool of you. That's how strong they are. Number two, the second thing is, they can get all mixed up. Remember this, they get confusing. Anne Morrow Lindbergh said this, and I think it's so true. She said, it is terribly amusing how many different climates of feeling one can go through in one day. Man. Can be up, can be down, can be happy, can be sad, can be positive and negative, can be full of faith and then full of doubt. And we've got to be careful because feelings will mix you up, but that's why you've got to keep going back to God's word. What it says about who we are, where we belong, what God's doing in us, how we are saved, yet we're not saved. I am, but I am not. And if I go by my feelings, one day I'll be on top of the mountain, the next day I'll be in the valley. I have to know in Christ through the instruments of the word who I am. And if you're not careful, feelings will make you miserable. Notice what Paul says about feelings in Romans 7. He says, I don't understand myself at all. For I really want to do what is right, but I can't. I do what I don't want to do, what I hate. How many of you know you can wake up in the morning, weigh yourself, get dressed and say, today's a day where I'm going to lose weight. And then you go into Woolies. And da lehala. Lint after lint after lint. And stuff that you would never eat is talking to you. Because you feel this, then you feel that. 
And he says, the things I don't want to do. And then he goes on to say, I know perfectly well that what I'm doing is wrong. And my bad conscience proves I agree with these laws that I'm breaking. But I can't help myself. Because I'm no longer doing it. It is sin inside me that is stronger than I am that makes me do these things. You see, knowledge isn't our problem. Feelings are. Because we know. Number three, they can create a false reality. It can be such a real thing, but it's a false reality. And we can draw the wrong conclusions. How many people have, have you heard say, I know they don't like me at work. I know. I know they're talking about me. And it ends up it's not true. They were just telling each other secrets, and I hope you didn't hear. Now you think they're talking about you. So it creates a false reality, and it could all be untrue. And we can, you know, you can feel hopeless about life, and yet God has got huge possibilities for you. But because of your feelings, a false reality is created. Francois de la Rochefoucauld said this, The intellect is always fooled by the heart. The fourth thing about feelings, they need to be warned about them, they can and do lie to us. Here's the thing. Feelings are something, listen to me carefully today. Feelings are something you have, not something you are. The biggest problem in the world today, and now it's moving down to children, is saying whatever you feel that you are. No, you're not. What you are, you are according to how God has designed you, not how you feel. And the minute you make feelings your identity, you're headed for disaster. And it's not unusual, just sad today that it's becoming mainstream and acceptable. In the past, when you, you, you said, this is what I feel and so this is what I am, they used to lock you away in institutions. No. No, seriously. And we are living by feelings. And we've got so many problems. We're not living by instruments. We're flying by the seat of our pants. And if we feel something that we make it, it, it it's not something I, I, I have, it's something I feel. Hmm? Sorry, it's something I have, it's not something I am. You know, a man went to see a psychiatrist because he believed he was dead. And the psychiatrist thought it was quite easy. Sat him down, showed him books, human anatomy, you know what causes life, and explained to him, and he's like, yeah, yeah, I can see, yeah. I can see that, you know, that, that that's a case. And then he showed him some videos, you know. This is, this is what living people look like, and this is what dead people look like, you know. And he, he agreed. And then he took him to a room in the uh, clinic, and he showed him dead bodies. And he cut the dead body. He said, you see, if you cut a dead body, it doesn't bleed. He's like, yep, I can see dead men don't bleed. And then he said, now come here. Pricked his finger. The blood came out. He said, <laughs> I see after all dead people do bleed. You see, if you begin to go by your feelings, you're considered a lunatic. Except in today's world, if a Christian doesn't go with what someone feels, we get pointed out and made to feel bad. And listen, the biggest danger in the world today is living by your feelings. We have to know how to deal with the way we feel or misery is inevitable. Feelings will always lie to you. Number five, they limit us. And they can wreck our lives. You want to wreck your lives, wreck your life, live by feelings. There have been many times when I've been in the traffic where I thought, I'm going to get out of this car and talk to the guy behind me. Anyone? No, you're all righteous. I can see halos. There they're all glowing. I've had to say to myself, Andre, you don't realize, because I've got so cross. I feel such injustice. 
not just to me and my pride, just to every road user and to the fact that there's no righteousness in our country. Yesterday I went out just for a few minutes up the road from my house to, to, to uh, near the waterfall center. It's a short journey, 6Ks. But in, on that trip, I was like, pain is inevitable. Misery is optional. Right? Because I stop at the robot and everybody else just drives through. They're like, nothing's coming. And I'm like, no. And you have to hold yourself back or you will say something. Or do something. There have been times when someone's done that three or four times. Then I get to the same place here, Morningside Shopping Center, and there they park. I feel like going, let's go inside and shop. How many of you can relate? You do what you feel, you're heading for trouble, and it will wreck your life. Think of Will Smith. His greatest moment, his first Oscar, but he allows his feelings to get the better of him. Now, you might say, well, they insulted his wife, but that's not the place. In fact, you go there to be mocked. They do it every year. Now, suddenly, your feelings get the better of you. They'll make a fool out of you, and they'll wreck your life. Come on now. Are you hearing me? Number six. You don't have to clap. Some of you don't agree. Now, I've just seen it on social media, how the victim... You know, how the perpetrator becomes the victim. Our world's mixed up. You need to be a Christian and by instruments. I'll move on. Number six, I've got time constraints. Here's a warning about feelings. They're often confused with the leading of the Holy Spirit. Do you know how many Christians have told me, I'm leaving my husband and I'm marrying her because I just felt the Holy Spirit tell me. And as I sat with her, I knew this is the one. The first person you married was a mistake, but <laughs> I need to give you a kick in the seat of your pants. <laughs> you can't fly by the seat of your pants. You can't confuse it with the leading of the Holy Spirit. Here's probably one of the biggest problems in the church. It's called Christian emotionalism. It's the danger of relying on or placing too much value or too much emotion, believing it to be the Holy Spirit. Even in worship, a song's tune and the whole vibe and the drums and everything can make you feel God is moving powerfully. But actually, it's just your emotions. Isn't that true? Now, there's nothing wrong with emotions, but be careful you don't make them the Holy Spirit when actually they're just emotions. And we're all for emotion and stirring and lifting up praise to God and celebrating in the beginning of services. You've just got to be careful you don't mix it up. And call it the Holy Spirit. Because you will make decisions based on emotional deception, not the Spirit's leading. Can you say amen? You see, how do you know when it's the Holy Spirit or when it's your feelings? The fruit of it is righteous or unrighteous. And God never leads you by His Spirit to do unrighteous things. I'll tell you what the problem is, and I can't labor the point, but the problem here is, is that we always think that the Holy Spirit leads us into comfort, and the devil leads us into discomfort. But I want to remind you that when Jesus was baptized, the Bible says, and the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness. Let's read it here from this translation. I chose the Living Bible because it says, then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan River, watch this, being urged by the Spirit out into the barren wastelands. 
of Judea, where Satan tempted him for 40 days. He ate nothing all that time and was very hungry. How many of you know in that position he didn't feel this was the will of God? Both hunger, barrenness, and the devil was the perfect will of God. You've got to be very careful that you're not led by motion, but you're indeed led by the Holy Spirit, and the fruit of it will prove to be true. Let's look at seven ways that we can deal with our emotions. Are you ready? And I will finish in the time allotted. Number one, you need to notice these points are similar, but I want you to pay attention. Number one, always let right actions override your feelings. What is the right thing to do, not what do I feel like doing? Pull this back. The authoress said this, you cannot make yourself feel something you do not feel, but you can make yourself do right in spite of your feelings. So I can't help what I feel, but I have to let what's right override what I feel. I wake up in the morning, it's gloomy outside, it's been pouring with rain, I didn't get enough sleep, but what's the right thing to do? I book for church, I am serving as a volunteer, so I get dressed, I drag myself, and I come, and you know what, invariably God rewards me. You have to let right actions override your feelings, and we can't live by feelings, we've got to live by principle. Galatians reminds us here, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. In other words, do not give in to feelings, because when you're weary, you feel weary in body and in spirit. Therefore, as we have opportunity, watch this, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Let right actions override feelings. But I'm tired. No, don't get weary. Weariness is a feeling. Do you know how many people are tired at work every day, but they do it, why? Because of a salary. But when it comes to spiritual matters, we tend to, no, I'm not going to do it. No, no. Right actions override feelings. See, George MacDonald put it like this. He said, think of something you ought to do and go do it. Heed not your feelings, do your work. That's what most of us do every day. Number two, the second thing here on how to deal with them, notice, let right actions override your feelings. Let right facts overrule feelings. Hmm? Let right facts rule over feelings. Feelings are not facts even though they feel strong. See, my feelings can tell me my life is hopeless, but God's truth tells me that it's filled with potential and possibilities, and that God's got a plan for my life. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, but I don't feel that, Lord. Don't listen to your feelings. Don't look at COVID. Don't look at circumstances. Let the facts of my word override your feelings. Hmm? Truth is what we have to live by. And, and, and you might feel your pastor Andre doesn't understand some of what's happening in the world. Now I do. And can I say this? I apply it in different areas of my life than you might think. You might apply it to gender-based things and, you know, I'm not talking about gender-based violence, but gender, the whole gender question and the whole sexuality question. I have to apply it if I see a woman that I find attractive. I can't say, ooh, Yes. I'll see you up at Santon. No, you let that feeling die. 
and you let the fact that you are married and serving God. You see, some of you, some of you don't understand why pastors fail. Pastors fail because they stop living by facts and truth. They start doing what everyone else does. They start living by feeling. And the minute you live by feeling, you will send texts to people you shouldn't. You will say things to people you shouldn't. You'll do things you shouldn't. You'll drink what you shouldn't. And you'll do stuff according to your impulses, writing according to the facts of God's word. You'll start to fly by the seat of your pants and think you can get away with it. And you'll nosedive into the ground. And that's no reflection on anyone. That is a fact of the matter today. Hmm? You've got to go by the facts. Listen, sometimes you don't feel saved. Anyone in the room ever not felt saved? You say yes right now. No. You can feel you're not saved, but you can't go by feeling. You go by the fact that Jesus died for you, and having taken him as your Lord and Savior, you are saved. You've got to believe what God says about you. And here's the thing. When you sin grievously and you confess it, the feeling of condemnation and guilt doesn't just go away. If only it did. It can linger sometimes for a week, maybe three months, depending on the level of the sin. You live with it. And then when you feel okay, then you think, now God's forgiven me. No, that's not true. He forgave you the minute you truly repented and confessed your sins. Martin Luther was once asked, do you feel that you've been forgiven? He answered, no, but I'm as sure as there's a God in heaven. For feelings come and feelings go, and feelings are deceiving. My warrant is the word of God, naught else is worth believing. The writer to the uh, Gnostics, John the Apostle, in 1 John says this. He says, so we will be confident when we stand before God. Even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings, and he knows everything. You see, right actions must rule over feelings. Right facts must rule over feelings. Here's number three. Let right commitments govern feelings. Is this helping you today? Right commitments govern feelings. I love what Brian Tracy, the business leader, said. He says, character is the ability to follow through on a resolution long after the emotion with which it was made has passed. Let me read that again. Character is the ability to follow through on a resolution or a commitment long after the emotion with which it was made has passed. I keep doing what I'm supposed to do even when I don't feel like it because once I decided to do it and that stands. I went to partners class. I filled in my certificate. I committed to give. Now times are tight. Now I'm feeling like there's someone in my world who's not a Christian and I don't see what's wrong with dating them. No, my character says I made a decision once and I'm going to see it through. Because if I fly by the seat of my pants, I'm going to nosedive into the ground. You remember when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he knew he was going to go to the cross. He knew what the Romans would do to him. They would flog him, tear skin and bone out of his body. They'd nail him to a cross. And the Bible says he prayed and he sweat drops of blood. But guess what the disciples were doing? They fell asleep. And he knew what he was having to face and he continued to keep onto that commitment despite those incredible, intense feelings. What an what a emotional position he was in. He's emotionally exhausted. And he says in Luke 22 as he prays, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me because I, I can't handle this. Yet not my will, 
but yours be done. And then it says an angel came and strengthened him. You see, what are you responsible for today? What have you committed yourself to? You must let those things guide you, not your feeling. You committed to a marriage? Stick at it. You committed to giving? Keep giving. Committed to partnership and membership? Keep going. A volunteering? Keep doing it. You committed to church attendance? Come. Here at home? Might be you. Hmm? See, Paul encouraged us in the scriptures here to stick to our commitments no matter what we feel. In 1 Corinthians 15, he says this, stand firm, and he's not talking about physically, he's talking about emotionally. Stand firm, let nothing move you. I mean, you know, he's not talking about the Cape weather and the wind. He's talking about on the inside. Hmm? Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Don't be moved by your feelings from your commitments. Take a firm stand on the decisions you've made. You need to know how to deal daily with the way you feel or you'll be swayed and misery will come into your life. Watchman E says, he who lives by emotion lives without principle. Let right commitments govern feelings. Are you still with me today? Number four, let the promises of God govern and override your feelings. You can feel a certain way about South Africa, about the world, about the economy, about the social dynamics of our world, but what does God's word say about your life and your future? And you have to look at that rather than the circumstances. What has God said, not what do I feel? The late Colin Urquhart, uh, he was a pastor and author, spoke at one of our conferences. I'll never forget it. He's, he's, how many of you know we don't agree with everything people say? I remember him, him speaking after a tremendous worship set that we did. It was at one of these conference centers at Honeydew. And he came up and he said, it's time to put away these Japanese worship leaders. Speaking of the instruments. <laughs> I was like, you're in the wrong place. Anyway, good man. I'm just saying that in case you've read something about him. Some of you read his books. Pastor Andre quoted him. Yep. Not everything he said was good. But he said this. He said, God is the God of promise. He keeps his word even when that seems impossible. Even when the circumstances seem to point to the opposite. See, circumstances look like they're opposite right now. But God's got a plan for our lives. God's got a purpose. And his purposes are in his word. And we read not the opinions of men, not the newspapers. We read the word of God and we put our lives on that. We believe that our future is good and that God has got great things ahead of us. Joyce Meyer put it like this. She said, our feelings are real and they are powerful. But they are not more powerful than God and truth. If you will, if you will stop feeding your feelings then they will stop controlling you. What does God say, not what I feel? Number five, let purpose, calling, and goals rule over feelings. What's God's purpose for your life? What's your calling? What is it that you've got a, a goal to set? Keep your eye on that, not on how you feel. Know what God has called you to do and what he has for your life. I love what Charles Swindoll said. He said, God's calling the shots. He's running the show. Either he's in full control or he's off the throne. See, we have to determine 
what God's calling on our lives is. And can I say this? If you're not sure of God's calling and God's purposes, you might change careers. You might immigrate. Do you know that I've seen people do this? And I'm going to take the moment to say this. I've seen people uproot their families because of their feelings. And I'm talking about now. Now now we've got lots of reasons to immigrate. I'm talking about in 1994. When democracy was ushered in, people just fled the country. And guess what happened? They started coming back. Why? Because they based it on feelings, not God's calling, not God's purpose for them. You were born in, in a place to be used by God for a certain reason. I love going overseas. When I'm over there, I also get flights of fancy. Walk through Paris, stop, look in an in a, in a estate agent window, apartment. Ooh, I can just imagine croissant. And a coffee in the morning here, no crime. Well, not crime like we've got. I think I could live here. No. Hey, Saul, play still. Go home. You see, we can get caught up because what, what, keep, what keeps Pastor Bill and I? Calling. Purpose. Now, it's not wrong to immigrate. If you're immigrating, God bless you. But be careful you don't let your feelings make decisions because there's a calling and a purpose for your life. See, the Apostle Paul knew that. He knew that comfort wasn't the guide. See, feelings will tell you what's most comfortable is God's will. Notice this, and I've quoted this before in Acts chapter 21. A prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt and tied his hands and feet with it. Paul's hands and feet. And said, the Holy Spirit says, in this way the Jews of Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. Now notice the congregation. When we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Watch this. When he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. From you can't go to the Lord's will be done? They, their feelings went from woo to there. But Paul was in the middle with calling, purpose. I know what I'm called to do. Don't dissuade me because of the way you feel. And guess what? They came in line with the facts of the calling not with their feelings. Are you hearing me? We've read these verses a number of times. This is good reminder today. Hmm? Thomas Carlyle was a great historian, and he wrote the books, the volumes of the French Revolution, but it said he reached a low point in his life when he first wrote it, because when he had finished handwriting the only copy he had, which was massive, he gave it to a friend of his, Stuart Mill, John Stuart Mill, who he said, I want you to read it and cr criticize it for me and go through it before we send it to the publisher. And his friend said, sure, I'll do that. And he put it on his desk. And a servant came into the room the next day and used it to kindle the fire. And he was told, sorry, oops. Talk about emotions. He said, it's like a world, he's, the bottom of his world fell out. He went into like a deep, deep depression, thinking of all the months and years he had worked on that book, and he, he, the feeling was overwhelming. You, you see, misery came in, and you know what? He went walking the streets, and one day as he walked the streets, he stood watching, and they were building a wall, and it was quite a high wall, and as he stood there for a good couple of minutes, he noticed that brick by brick, the wall continued to grow, 
And he said he had a eureka moment, and he went home, and he said, I will rewrite it page by page. And that's exactly what he did, and if you've ever read that, it is a most incredible account, accurate of the French Revolution. You see, we have to let purpose, calling, and goals override feelings. Number six, here's what you need to do. I've got five minutes. Are you still with me? Get alongside people with emotional strength and maturity. You see, if, if you constantly mix with people who are living by their feelings, there will be no objectivity. But when you get around people who live by principle, you know that they're going to pull you along and they're going to teach you and model for you what it means to live through pain and difficult circumstances. And as you watch them, you go, ah, so that's how you do it. But if you mix with emotionally immature people, you will stay in a place where you live by your feelings. In fact, Shannon Elder, the authoress, said this. She said, sensitive people, listen to this, usually love deeply and hate deeply. Sensitive people. They don't know any other way to live than by extremes because their emotional thermostat is broken. So I go, whoo, 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 I love you, I love you, I hate you, I'll kill you. No, you can't. That's what happens when you, you've got to, have, you've got to be around people that help you. Hey, hey, hey. Do you know that Will Smith, when he got up and he slapped Chris Rock, Denzel Washington said to him, be careful that in your highest moment, the devil doesn't come after you. Denzel Washington, Christian, godly man. He warned him, but pity didn't listen. It was after the fact. We need to get around emotionally strong people. Do you know Joseph was emotionally strong? Joseph, when he went to Egypt. Because you know what most of us would have done? These are my brothers. <laughs> I've been waiting. I would have teased them, taunted them, done stuff to them a lot different to him. Come on now. 17 years I've been here. You don't know me, I know you. Ooh, we're going to have fun. Now he put, this, he put the cup in the sack and he gave money back and he bought Benjamin. But you know what he had? He had emotional strength. I don't want to labor this, but I want to read this text to you in Genesis 43. The second time his brothers came, this was the second visit. It says, as he looked about and saw his brother Benjamin, his own mother's son, he asked, is this your youngest brother, the one you told me about? And he said, God be gracious to you, my son. Deeply moved at the sight of his brother, Joseph hurried out and looked for a place to weep. Hurried out. He went into his private room and wept there after he had washed his face and came out and controlling himself said, serve the food. How many of you know people like that in the midst of deep emotional anguish, feelings of revenge, they can control themselves, get around people like that because they'll help you to get it right when you live with extremes. And number seven years, I wrap up this message today, I do hope you've been helped in some way. Submit your feelings to God regularly. See, we can't always determine what we feel, but we can take the feelings to God. I feel like this, Lord. I know it's not right. Can I give it to you? Because the Bible says in Psalm 23, he restores my soul. In other words, he brings my emotions back to equilibrium when I'm hurt or upset. Because pain is inevitable, but I can't allow myself to get to misery. I've got to bring it to God and then ask him. And listen, don't just accept your emotions. David didn't. David took them to God. David checked his emotions. And when you check your emotions, say, Lord, I'm feeling like this, but I know it's not right. I'm angry. 
Notice this. Last verse here, Psalm 43 and verse 5. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? See, he talks to himself. What's the matter with you? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Notice, he questions his emotions. He doesn't let them lead him. He doesn't presume it's the Holy Spirit. He questions what's going on. He submits it to God. And guess what? God is the one who will give us the strength to regulate and to transform my emotions and to deal with the way we feel. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message.